than some putty eye, even if we day old, y'all put your hands up, nah, put your hands down, put them in the ground, mix it with the brown, it's that new sound, even if it's age old, fresher than some putty eye, even if we day old, oh, live on the Microbial Secret Society, and today I'm here with uh, Felix Goebel. All right, how are you doing? And you're calling all the way in from Canada? Yeah, exactly. Quebec, Canada, from the winter land. Yeah, so, so uh, and you are, I, I met you just a couple weeks ago uh, through uh, through the internet. Yeah. You want me to explain my little story? Yeah, yeah. So, so I'd love to, I'd love to introduce you. I mean, I, I met you I met you just the other the other week through John reaching out for some some charity stuff. So I'd love to like start there and see see uh, learn a little bit about you. Yeah. So, uh, like you said, my name is Felix Gobey. I'm a French Canadian from uh, Quebec City, Canada. Uh, actually, I just finished my degree in agronomy here in Quebec. Uh, it was a long journey for me, a long three years of uh, Negativity and uh, I don't know, maybe uh, brainwashing, I'd say, because uh, university was really hard. Uh, I learned, uh, I had to unlearn a lot of things, I'd say, uh, in university because they are not really teaching agriculture the right way. Um, I had to uh, self, I'm a, I'm a lot, uh, I've learned a lot by myself, actually. Uh, so I'm self-taught, I'd say. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I've learned about KNF. Uh, through internet and to just trying to see what the people were doing uh, around the world because I knew there was something wrong with the agricultural system. Uh, nobody was talking about soil in university, uh, microbials, uh, just about any type of soil, uh, like soil. Nobody was talking about this. Uh, like even my professor, they were they, they had like a PhD and things like that, but they didn't really know what I was talking about when I was talking about soil life and microorganism. Uh, so my journey really, my journey really uh, started with uh, Ellen Ingham. She's really the first one who uh, opened my mind about soil life. And that's where I started to just go deep on the rabbit hole about microbes and uh, alternative agriculture. And that's where I realized that I was like totally like brainwashing school, that the agronomists were part of the reason why we have so much problem here uh, not only in America, but pretty much everywhere in the world in the, with the agri agricultural system, uh, the soil erosion, the, the, the soil uh, death, uh, even just farmers not getting around, like farmers, they don't have any money. Like people think they have debt here in the society, but farmers have millions of dollars of debt because of all the investment agronomists tell them to do. So, uh, like I said, it was really hard for me to finish school. So I'm really happy just to start to get no more people just like you, Drake, uh, who are more about uh, like the real nature and the real way to do agriculture. So that's pretty much my journey. <laughs> well, that's, so I also had um, Elaine Ingham in my um, my lineage in history. Oh, yeah. So when you when you learn from her in what in what regard how how did you um, how did you do that? Actually, I just like with internet. I mean, internet is such a wonderful tool. Uh, I've never been able to do her course because uh, I didn't have the money. But back in the days, maybe five years ago, she had a lot of free stuff on internet still. So I I was able to find her, her first composty uh, uh, guide. So that's where I started really. Uh, and also that's where I started to maybe be more interested in microbiology. So I, I bought uh, my first uh, microscope and that's where I started to just do my own compost at, at the house, at my parents' house, actually. 
Um, I started to brew my first compost tea maybe five years ago. I just tried to see like how I could assess my by myself my, my compost. Uh, that's really where I started. Uh, just listening to what uh, Ellen was doing. She had some YouTube stuff. She was really uh, trying to push this. And with at the university also, uh, my, for, uh, my last year of university, I had a, a big research project to do. So I started to really uh, read about what type of uh, research Ellen did in the 80s about soil life. And I just realized that we all knew this since like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. But still today, none of that was uh, taught in school. And like the bacterial uh, on fungi ratio, it was she was pretty much the first one who, uh, who brought this approach. And I really felt like it made really a lot of sense to me. Uh, so that's really where I, my journey started with LN. And from there, I just started to know, like to KNF, uh, was brought to KNF after that. Even if it was not, I know Ellen was not a lot about ferments and things like that. She said it, that anaerobic like ferments were not really the way to go. But I, really, I was just interested to see like what people were doing around the world uh, with alternative techniques. So that's pretty much it. So yeah, yeah, I know, I know Elaine has, has been, you know, she's, uh, so I, I learned from her in 2012 when she came to the Big Island. And um, I took her week-long course where she talked, you know, all about, you know, basically the soil food web and that introduction, you know, Mm -hmm. something like 28 hours of classes over seven days, you know, it's just really, really intense. Um, Yeah, heavy stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I put that, I put that video out. um, So on my, on my YouTube, it used to be one of the most viewed videos on my YouTube, but now the KNF stuff has surpassed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, that's really where I was, like, I didn't know all about this soil life. Like, when I started to learn more about this, I was so, like, mind blown about the fact that there was, like, a billion, like, organism in a gram of soil. And all the, the complexity of it, that was just so mind blowing to me. Because I realize also that it's almost impossible to understand how soil, how soil really works. Like it's such a complex organism that we need to, to be humble about it and just try to understand the pattern in soil. And like for me, the, the ratio of bacteria fungi was really a, a basic pattern that everybody can understand and that we can work from it, you know? Because, I mean, there's so much organism that we don't even know, like... And that's the thing in university, they try to understand everything and calculate everything like it's mathematic. And I mean, it's, it's much complex than what you could think. And it's not it's a, a level of complexity that I think we, we cannot understand as human because like life is much more complex than we are as human. I think. True, true. And um, are you familiar with a concept called pleomorphism? Pleomorphism? Uh, no, maybe you can talk me more about this. So, so I first learned about this from a guy named Bruce Lipton, and he mm-hmm. was taking um, stem cells, and if you apply certain things to it, it turns into a bone. If you t- apply a different thing, it turns into a um, a muscle, and a different in it a third thing, and it turns into like a fat or something. But like these cells could turn into three distinctly different things based on the environmental conditions conditions okay so like if you you put certain hormones in this cell turns into this like life form and so so that same concept pleomorphism also somewhat to a degree applies or happens in the soil yeah interesting so so even if you know one organism based on the environment it can shift Exactly. So that just changed all the all the things you think you sh- like you knew based on another environment. It's completely different. So, well, yeah. well, I think I think what happens is the university tries to reduce it down to say that there's only like a set number of things, so that they they can like dissect and study it. But, but yeah, it's what- really the reductionist the reductionist approach is really the only way university can work because like if they try to integrate things together. Like it's, it becomes so complex that they, 
they just have to say we don't understand things, you know, and they, they are not enough able to, able to say this. So they really like the, the reductionist way is the only way they can they can work and they can do some research. Because other than that, it becomes there's so much variable. Like I did my work, like my 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 last university work was about soil health and the reason why we have uh, degradation of soil health. And I did it the way of integrating. And I mean, I realized that it was so complex. Like I had to have so much variable because the soil health is such a, like it's a large thing. It's not just uh, the physical, chemical and biological properties of the soil. It's much more than that. It's the transformation of carbon. It's the stabilization of organic matter. It's the biodiversity. So there's all these things coming up together to say, oh, this is a healthy soil versus not a healthy soil. You cannot just say, oh, there's a, enough level of NPK in your soil, so it's an healthy soil. And that's what they were telling me here in school. So I was like, NPK doesn't have a, anything to do with healthy soil, you know? Yeah, I think I think you're you're onto something. I mean, it's 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 the same as saying like, oh, well, I have a a bunch of um, steel, so I have a building. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> and it's like you know, just because the raw materials there doesn't mean it's structure or like healthy or like usable. Yeah, totally. And like that's one thing uh, when I started to listen to Ellen, she was talking about like uh, the type of soil. And just with composting, she was able, like within a year, to just increase the organic matter in the in a soil. That yeah, the, if you you were doing like, you you would do like a soil test, it would say oh it's a it's a loam type of soil. But if you if you really go there, it's it, like it's completely another type of soil. Just because the properties are not like the 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 soil test doesn't re- uh, doesn't reveal really what is the texture of the soil. So I'm not like even soil tests. I'm not into soil tests because even depending on the on on the the lab the the lab you're using and the, the instrument they're using, like you're gonna have so much difference and so much variable. So even soil tests for me, the the, be, the best soil test is just to take a shovel, go in your field, dig up uh, like a part of your soil and just look at it. You're gonna see if the structure is good, if there's enough organic matter, if you see some life in it. Like the best, the best soil test with your eyes. It's not with a with lab tests and things like that. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so you're saying like everyone that's being trained in agronomy right now, though, is is taking on that that approach, though. So yeah, it's they're... really scary. It's scary, man. To be honest with you, like it is really scary because it's these people, it's these agronomists that are saying to our farmers what they they should put on their on their crop, what type of seed they should buy. And they don't even, they don't even understand a thing about soil. Like for most of people in agronomy, you, do you know, like most of people I've, I study with, do you know what soil is? Soil is a class you took on your first year of university that is fucking boring. This is what soil is to them. For real, no joke. And you're like, okay, I was talking with the director of my program at university and he was not understanding a damn thing of what I was saying because we had a course of fertilization and the professor was do, was giving this course. He talked about maybe during 15 minutes about soil life during a whole course of maybe 60 hours. And I was like, there's a problem here. Fertility is not just NPK. It's all about the microorganism and the life you have in your soil. These are the organisms giving all the fertility to your crop. And I, like I was talking with, they're just, they're not there. They're completely disconnected. And it's really scary to see this, really, really scary to me. And I was like, all all these years in college, I was like the black sheep because I was always like arguing with my professor about this. And they were just like, they just arguing with me and saying, just just shut the fuck, you know, just stop, stop talking. Because even, even students, like they were not used to this because that's what university do. University puts your, your mind in a box. You think that, oh, because you're at university, you have higher knowledge, higher, you have access to higher knowledge because your professor has PhD and things like that. Because when I started university, that's what I thought. I thought that my professor were like the shit. But I realized pretty quickly that they were just like the most brainwashed people you could talk with, you know? Not open-minded, really. Like they've been doing studies on the same things for the past 20 years. So for them to change their mind is 
it 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 would be like for them to just say, oh, I've been living a life for the the past 25 years, you know, and they are not able to do this because yeah, it's a complete lie. Like university here in Quebec, where I studied, is like 20 years in the past. No joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they don't. I mean, they're not even accepting the the idea of soil biology. I, I, I did I think, I did think about that that concept you bring up, where it's like if you've been thinking in a certain mindset, like you know, for instance, like soil pH is real important, and you need to lime your soil or whatever to get the right pH. And for how many years you've said that, and then you come to realize that you know, it's really about the microorganisms and they're, they're managing the pH in the micro zone in the root zone. Exactly. And it's more about increasing the biological capacity mm-hmm. and, and think of, I mean, cause I mean, think like that, that's hard. That's a hard one for the ego to swallow. <laughs> Yo man, cause these people are the most egocentric people you could talk with. Like their ego is what they talk for them. Like they don't even think it's their ego. It's like, I know this, I am higher than you. They've been like some of my professors were creating GMO, you know, they create life to them. That's, that's who they are. They are, they are God, you know, I try to argue with these people. It's like, Oh no, man, you know, I I create some seeds. I create life. I help poor people. They're like, yeah, yeah. You're helping poor people. Like it's completely nonsense. Like I was always arguing with them and there's no, like you, you cannot like have a conversation with these people. Because they're so close-minded, they're so they're not into the growth mindset. They don't want to evolve, like evaluate with with this. They don't want to learn more because there's so much to learn here. Like we're s- such a, at the low point in agriculture and farming and all the knowledge we have on on the soil. Like it's just coming to start out right now. And no, and I like they don't even want to put a, a feet in this. Like they're, they're so scared because they don't understand a thing. Yeah. 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 Well, it, I, so personally, I'm, I'm, I'm not against the GMOs. I, I'm against kind of the way they're using them in the patent infringement and the copyrights of things, but I'm yeah. not against the modification. Um, as, assuming you're doing it within um, the, you know, you got to understand like complex um, fractal patterning to, to make a, a successful GMO, but, but yeah. I, but I'm against the idea of GMOing without like fully understanding the life in the soil and treating it as a living organism. Yeah, because you know? at the end of the day, all these GMOs are created in like artificial environment. Like they need water, they need fertilizer, they need pesticides, they need like the perfect temperature. Like they are not created in an environment where they're going to be able to thrive without all these. And if you like, they're creating GMOs like right now, like it's the golden rice, I think it's like the next big GMO. And this GMO is created like in Israel or in, in like in, in, in control environment. And they, they, they think that they're going to like put the same variety of GMO anywhere in the world and it's going to thrive. I think it's just it's not how it works. And at the end of the day, GMO is still trial, trial and error. They could do like they, they may be going to do like a, a million try before they get it. And I mean, I've read a lot like you should get this, this book. I don't know if you read it. Pandora's potato. It's the. Okay. It was the. It was the bioengineer of uh, uh, Masento who wrote this book about the the GMO potato that is at this moment on the market in the United States, and how that after five years, three of the four, three of the five genes that they like modified, like the, the potato just rejected naturally. So, so I, so with the GMO, I think what they, what they're missing is they're just looking at it as a linear strip and they're saying like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe like halfway between we'll swap out these genes and we'll put these genes mm-hmm. back in. But what I actually believe it is, is it's a, a, a spiral that coils on itself. So it's not a linear thing. It's more of like a, a spiral or cylindrical type of shape. Mm-hmm. And when they GMO one spot, it's like they're GMOing that area, but you need to GMO each part of that spiral in to make it exactly. stick. And I don't think they fully understand the GMO. They understand like a little bit of it to like how to hack the biome, but I don't think they fully understand like the complexity of life and how it has checked air air correction patterns and all these things to like keep it so that it's within like geometry of, of a higher... Um, a higher um, design almost. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, I mean, I'm not against GM. Like, like I said, I'm against GMO the way they are used right now because GMO for now is just it's it's Roundup ready. That's that's what when we think about GMO, GMO we think about Roundup. Like nowadays, like it's 90% of the corn and the soy that is growing in America that is GMO. And just the fact that a farmer cannot like keep the best seeds from his last harvest to replant them the year after, to me, this is, I mean, this is not right. Like they just create a constant demand of like seed supply every year from the farmer. When not, when back in the days, the farmer were growing their seeds and every year they were keeping their best genetics for the year after. So like without even knowing they were selecting their best seeds, their best land, they were creating the best genetics for their environment. And nowadays, that's what we don't have. Every region should have like a genetic like center where we develop genetic of tomato, of corn, of soy, adapt to this area. That's the future to me. The future is not, oh, try to make one GMO that we're going to sell everywhere in the world. Like it's not working. We see it nowadays. I mean, like soil are, are dying, actually. That's what we're having. Like it's going to, like right now it's still, there's still a lot of snow here in Quebec, but it's going to melt like maybe in a, in a, a month. And you're going to see lake in fields everywhere. Lake, like two feet of water in the field because there's no structure in the field. There's no structure in the soil. The, the, the water cannot penetrate. So it just, it makes like a, like a, a big slab of concrete, man. And all the soil is brought back into the river. Like every year we lost like millions of to- like millions of tons of topsoil. Like and farmers don't even realize that like their biggest capital is their soil. They need to build to build soil. They need to have living roots constantly in their soil. Because if they don't, I mean the structures is just there's no structure, there's no water infiltration, and they're even talking about like drop, drop. Like they say, we, we, we need more water here in Quebec when every year there's more there, there's more there than eight cubic meter of water that fell here. Eight cubic meter. And they're saying that we need more water. I mean, it's not, the problem is not that we need more water. We need to keep our water. That's the problem. We don't have any organic matter in our soil. So like just one gram of organic matter can take up up to a hundred gram of water, you know? So the organic matter is really the, it's like the building block of everything. If you don't have organic matter, you cannot have, you cannot have any structure. You cannot have any water retention. You cannot have any like nutrition for your plant. So it's all it, it all starts from the, the organic matter, to my opinion. So kind of kind of my I had a theory one time of that. Imagine you had a car with a gas tank that was like a, a million gallons. Mm-hmm. of gas or, or liters i don't know four four million liters of gas okay and and you could drive that thing for a really 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 long time right you you wouldn't have to stop at a petrol station and get more gas in your car because you have a four million liters so you would just keep driving right mm-hmm. so it's kind of like the soil like that we had a bunch of energy in the soil and so as farmers or as this person who owned this car, you never thought, oh, maybe I should add more gas into the car. Like maybe it needs more energy and fuel mm-hmm. because it always had more and you just always, you know, you never put gas in before. So why ever put it in now? Right. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. the car's not working so good. And you're like, what's wrong with it? Why isn't it working? Exactly, man. And, and, and like- I think, well, that's, that's similar to the, 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 how we've been farming, right? We had this organic matter, which was like this gas tank. Mm-hmm. And then because we never had to refuel the car, we never put it back in. So we just kept, you, you know, using the organic matter in the soil as if it was always there, as if it was indefinitely there. And we just would always have this fertility. And we never learned about the regular maintenance of like putting petrol in the car regularly so that you can continue driving it. Mm-hmm. Does that, does that? Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense, man. And it it, it also fit with the, I don't know, the petrol, like, because uh, back in the days, like maybe a hundred years ago, farmer knew they had to like take one year every three years that they're not going to grow anything on their soil. They're going to build organic matter. They didn't know they were doing this, but they were doing it. They were saying, oh, we're going to give rest to our land this year. We're going to just plant some peas or some, you know, uh, some legumes. 
and then we're going to rest our for this year we don't grow anything we just let it rest it's going to refuel with nutrients with organic matter and then the year after they, they they had rotation in place things that a lot of farmers don't even have nowadays rotation and the rotation of your field is like the most important things you cannot do corn on corn on corn on corn for 50 years and think that oh it's i'm going to have more more corn every year my harvest is going to be better and the yield is going to be higher no i mean what you what you take from the land you need to give it back it's just common sense well i i i would i would say that you could grow corn year after year as long as you thought of it as a natural cycle where what you did was you brought in diverse microorganisms from from a natural like polyculture source like a like a natural forest and you bring in those microbes and then the eggs and then instead of having a polyculture growing in your field for the root exudates you take fermented plant juices from different sources and you spray that and so the mm. the biology in the field the cornfield that's being monocropped continually with corn, it thinks to itself, oh, there's a lot of different plants up here because there's all this different biology. And oh, there's there's maybe some some um, soybeans because you're getting a soybean ferment or a... Yeah, kind of acting the soil. Yeah, and you spray that stuff and you treat it as if like you're the surrogate polyculture but you're mm-hmm. growing itself still a monoculture. And I would say that's, that's why Korean natural farming is, is this powerhouse of agriculture because it, most other new age agricultural systems advocate polycultures. And they'll mm-hmm. say, we, we have to polyculture. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not against like corn on corn on corn. Just saying like, like you said, with TNF, it, it makes total sense. Or just with cover crop, at least put a cover crop between your row. So well, when yeah, you harvest yeah. your corn, maybe at like at like the the start of fall, you have at least a month or two where your cover crop can put 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 some biomass, and you can build up some organic matter before the winter. So that's just don't leave the cell bare. So that's the the worst thing you see here. You just you go you drive and you see bare soil all the way. You know, same same thing happened below me. We just had sweet potato farmers come in. And so they, they, you know, they'll plow 20 acres and we're in here. I'm on, I'm on pretty steep land. I'm, on, I'm only a mile from the ocean and I'm up at 650 feet. Okay. So it's pretty, so it's, it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm not sure what that is in meters. It's probably 200 meters up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and only, you know, one mile was, I'm not sure in kilometers, but, but anyway, I'm, I'm not that far from the ocean and, and the steep land, the sweet potato farmers plow it. And then when they're done with the crop, they don't sow anything. They just leave this open, muddy, bare field from from harvesting it all. And then the last time it rained, the entire ocean to about, I'd say a quarter mile to a half mile out, turns completely brown. Yeah, man. And that just chokes all the fish, all everything that was living in there, all the, all the, um, you know, um, like little sea creatures and, mm-hmm. and they all just like, imagine, I mean, imagine you were just covered in mud like that. Like imagine you took a fish tank aquarium and, and threw in a yeah, shitload of dumb. mud. People would <laughs> exactly. be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> but we just do it to the ocean, like nothing, like, mm-hmm. like it's no problem. And farmers don't even realize, like, it's their soil. It's their money that, like, that is going away in the ocean. Literally, man. Well, here, here, they, here they lease it from somebody else. So it's not uh, their soil. It's the landowner that, that leased it, you know? I mean, that's, you know, that's another problem. People are like, oh, I don't mind. It's not my land. I'm just growing on it. I mean, people need to take responsibility over that. because, And even just, just the mechanical work, just the tillage, and this is all the, that's the part that was really the scariest to me when I realized that we knew that tilling our land was like mineralizing our organic matter, really just burning your organic matter in our soil. We know this since the 60s. I found like scientific paper, like with like flagrant, like numbers, like where we, we were comparing no tilling versus tilling and just the, the respiration rate of the organism. So Really, what's happening is when you till your soil, you just activate all the bacteria and the bacteria have such a fast metabolism that they just create so much CO2 and they, they, burn, they burn your organic matter. That's what they're doing. So you just, you burn your, what you have the most precious thing on your land is your organic matter. You just burn it. 
It's it's you're you're talking about a uh like a fire that you can't see, right? It's it's like exactly. an invisible fire. Yeah, it's exactly that man. And, and and so what what I've heard is you know people complain about cars creating like CO two for 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 that, but I'm I'm not a, I'm not a CO two guy, but but no. what I've heard is when you when you plow a field, the amount of CO two released is just like is so immeasurably huge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's much worse than I mean, like I'm not into CO two. Also, I'm not like a big believer that CO two is a it's not a, it's not a problem, but like tilling our land is the biggest problem here. Like actually in agriculture nowadays, it's the biggest problem. Like we need to do, like we need to integrate no-till like on all the land. No-till integrated with cover crop, living cover crop. It is, this is the best situation. But farmers don't realize because a lot of farmers, they don't even like, they don't calculate their cost of production. So the only thing they want to have is a higher yield. And like in the past 20 years, maybe we've like, yeah, we, we passed from maybe five, five tons of, of uh, corn, uh, a nectar to maybe uh, nowadays some, some farmers do 20, uh, not 12, uh, 12 to 30, but they don't realize that the price they pay to have this yield, you know? So you maybe it's maybe a better idea to have like a lower yield where you don't have to use your tractor. Like you can reduce, if you, if you no-till, you can reduce your usage of, of the tractor and the fuel and pesticides, like uh, maybe ninety percent, you know. So you have more money in your in your pocket, and farmers don't realize this because they don't calculate their cost of production. And that's the thing that, like, agronomists are not talking about this like anymore. Like, they should talk about they should talk about this to every farmer. You should calculate your cost of production because that's where it's going to dictate like what you're going to do in your field versus not doing it. Because the reality of the thing is. Some farmers are working to just put money in the fire. They don't even have money at the end of the season. Like it costs them money to like to grow their to grow their field, to to till it, to to plow it, and they don't even realize it because they don't they don't calculate their cost of production. Yeah, I mean that's so so. I, I hear I hear what you're saying. Like the the farmers aren't aren't thinking about it because so so. I just I just went to this guy who's trying to get zero emissions, and he was mm-hmm. talking about adapting this this software to calculate for a farm. And I thought it was funny when we were talking because he was like, "Well, yeah, we'll calculate all the gas that your car burns and stuff from from my farm to calculate how many emissions I'll have." And I thought about it and I, th- I sat and I thought and I was like, well, you know, like I barely burn any gas in my tractor compared to like when I run the plow behind my tractor, mm-hmm. how much CO2 like or, or emissions are released from the, the slow burn, this invisible burn, this thing that mm-hmm. farmers can't see because it's invisible. But literally, like if I plow my field, like you're saying, all the bacteria consumes all the organic matter and releases like tons of emissions compared to the small amount of gas that my tractor released, mm-hmm. right? Exactly, exactly, man. It's not so, even the tractor; it's the it's the, it's the soil, it's the plowing that create all this CO two. Well, so so when so when the guy was talking to me, and he's like, "Yeah, we'll calculate all the gas." I was like, "Well, aren't you going to calculate the emissions from the field and how much I'm losing there?" And he's like, "What?" And he didn't even like <laughs> as a climate scientist, he didn't even know about that and I was like you know and then because I was asking him I'm like you know I do regeneration where I'm actually building like you know feet of soil like I'm putting wood chips down I'm putting microbes I'm trying to literally create a carbon sink like Mm -hmm. organic matter carbon in my soil so I was trying to get him to tell me on this calculator how much carbon I'm saving and how carbon negative my farm is, even though I burn burn a gas car and stuff. But in my car, I have a sprayer of microbes. So while I'm burning fossil fuel, I'm also spraying the environment and building this beneficial mm-hmm. buffer. Exactly. So, I, so I wanted to ask him to calculate that, to figure out, am I carbon negative? Negative, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think sure I hugely are, am. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. But, but the carbon negative I am is people can't see it, right? They're like, well, where's the trees? Where's this stuff? You know, it's, but the carbon negative I am is I'm building this underground carbon bank 
that yeah, these organic other... matter that is so so stable that like it can stay in your in your field for like thousands of years and that's right. what they don't understand right and these other farmers are going and they're unlocking they're they're they're, they're doing the opposite which which is like which it's kind of like a uh, rape and pillage, you know, versus, versus what I'm doing is like homesteading and building, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> exactly. they're, ex, they're exploiting the soil and I'm building the soil. And so I was yeah. trying to get the calculator to calculate that. Right. Cause maybe, maybe I could get credits for carbon offsets or, or something. Yeah, man, I'm pretty sure like you're, like you're storing like tons of carbon man, with, with your technique, but like, like you said, like even the climate, like the, the most climate, like professional, they don't even understand like this, like this pattern. They don't even understand this. So how do you think like, and these people, these are the people at the top, you know? So how do you, like, it's, it doesn't make any sense. You try to talk with somebody. We don't even speak the same language, you know? Well, well, I want to, so along that lines of the carbon, I'm not that concerned about the carbon. What, mm-hmm. what I'm more concerned with is when I till that soil, there was all this moisture in there. Because there were living microbes that were full, like just like you're full of water and I'm full of water, mm-hmm. the water is stored in the body of these microbes. Yeah. And as I plow it, they die. And so then there's less moisture in there. And I believe that this is the ultimate root of climate change is, you know, if you take water and you add energy to it, like to boil water, it takes mm-hmm. a lot of energy. Water is really stable. Can take a yeah, exactly. It takes a lot of energy to just up, like to up the temperature of yeah. the reef from a mass of water. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine if you had a, a field, one with tons of microbes that are respirating and, and off-gassing and breathing out moisture, and, and the <laughs> soil's moist because they're they're holding it in this organic matter, like you said, it can hold mm-hmm. hundred grams per gram, and so there's tons of water in this living soil. So imagine the water vapor above that field. Now take that field and, and put one right next to it where you've killed everything and it's like a desert and then take the water vapor above that and then start to equally heat them. And which one do you think is going to be more stable? Yeah, that's hard to say, man. I'd say for sure that it's not going to be the one that you you tilled. Like, well, the, the desert the desert one has no water vapor to absorb that extra energy, right? So the heat mm-hmm. comes in and that heat just blasts it and just heats it up. And then when you, when you stop the heat, it gets real cold real fast, right? It mm-hmm. goes through its extremes versus the one with this living carbon, living soil. Mm-hmm. You heat it, it doesn't heat as fast. And then when, you, when the heat source goes away, it doesn't cool as fast, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Like so isn't, the, isn't that the definition of like climate stability, climate, change. climate <laughs> yeah. stability versus climate yeah. change, right? Yeah, totally, man. Like it's, that's right on it, man. Right so, on it. So, so I could be, you know, give a, give a shit less about the carbon. What I'm concerned about <laughs> is the moisture from the living soils. Does this make more sense? Yeah, man, it makes totally sense. That's what I'm saying. Cause even like, if you have a bare soil, for example, like water is polar. So you have like, you have a negative and a positive charge on water. Mm-hmm. Polar. And if you have, yeah, it's polar. So if you have like the photon from the, the sun that is charged positive on the bare soil with the positivity of the, the water, what does it make? It makes the water just sink into the ground. So there's, so actually what's it's do, what we're doing when we have a bare soil is that the sun is pulling the water even deeper in the soil and it's evaporating it. So like just the fact that you have a bare soil, this is also one of the major fact, major factor where we have uh, climate change at this moment. We have so much like differential of temperature between night and the the best example is you just go in the forest, go in the forest when it's hot outside, what are you going to, how are you going to feel in the forest? It's always pretty much at the same temperature. It's nice and cool like, and relaxing. Yeah, exactly, man. Like, like there's no like big difference of temperature in the forest because we always have a, a, a living cover on it. And actually, yeah, like you said, the water is not evaporating and it's not like there's, there's not a lot of fluctuation. So you're right on it, man. Like climate change are directly co- correlated with the way we do agriculture. It's... It's it has to do with soil tillage, right? Not not oh, these yeah, yeah. CO twos and city like. I mean, the pollutions are kind of gnarly, but 
And I think that also like, so, so my other, my other thing with climate change is that they're flying jets up in the upper atmosphere and in the, in the jet fuel, whether they're chemtrailing or not, I don't know, (laughs) but just in the fuel, there's these really nasty toxins. Mm -hmm. That's why you just can't sit there and breathe jet fuel. You'd die. And these really nasty toxins are injected into the upper atmosphere and then they rain down on everything on the forest, the ocean, everything. So a microbe that was here next to a tree before was gathering nutrients and delivering it to the tree. But now these toxins rain down like a sheet on top of this microbe. And instead of getting nutrients and delivering it to the tree, now it has to clean the toxins up and then deliver nutrients to the tree. And as more and more accumulates on top of it and more toxins go, now the microbe's spending like two thirds, three quarters of its day cleaning up before it can deliver nutrients to the tree. And so it's spending more of its time cleaning and pro- defensive than in productive um, symbiotic production for, for the tree. Hmm. And so that's another reason our forests are dying off is we're just ubiquitously poisoning the entire world from this upper atmosphere, raining down these toxins, which are small, like parts per billion, parts per trillion. But as they accumulate and we overload the natural immune, like natural microbes everywhere, exactly. it's, like, it's like dumping poison on the surface of the earth. All the life living there is like, got to clean it up before it can eat and be productive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just like the whole system is just... at. A, a such slower rate because of all these toxin accumulation. And I mean, it's the same here. Like we have forests here, but, but it's, it's monocrop of forests. It's pine tree all over. It's not even forest anymore. You don't have any diversity here where I live. It's pine tree all over. It's the only thing we have in our forest is pine tree. And, and let me, let me ask about that forest. Was it, was it already harvested for timber and did they replant oh, yeah, it yeah, that yeah. way? Like at least like, I don't know. How many times? But yeah, they are like young forests, maybe fifty years old maximum. So, like so there's the, no old growth forests where I live at all. And and there used to be two hundred years ago, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some places like up up the, the north of where I used to live at my parents' house that we still have some old growth forests, like three three hundred years old. But the timber company have pretty much cut everything here in Quebec. We don't have a lot. Like you need to go very up north to have some old growth forests. So if you want to really have some indigenous microorganisms that are here, that have been here for maybe hundreds of years, man, good luck. Good luck. No, I mean, this is, this is the other major thing happening from this, this ignorant university system that you started to talk about is that mm-hmm. we're now, we, don't, we didn't respect the IMOs. So these, these microbes that are hundreds of years old that are able to really stable, really good soils. We killed the trees and then we killed the microbes at the same time. So it's like almost resetting an entire knowledge base back to like elementary school level, right? Yeah, yeah, totally, man. It's like when Alexandria like library just burned, you know, that's that's the same thing. We burn our own knowledge from like all the knowledge we've accumulated with these hundreds, if not thousands of years of like ecosystem building like with timber that like all the company of timber just cut all all of this and yeah it's it's really sad man because like we think like i want to do emo and things like that but i realize man there's not like there's not any natural environment around me like at all oh well that's the same thing where i'm at where where i'm born here today and i look and i'm like hmm but 200 years ago this place was a thriving forest and mm-hmm. and i don't even know what potential or health is because i was just born into this like stripped away third third time you know it went through sugar and then a, a cattle and then now i'm on this land and it's just like mm-hmm. it's so worked over that i but i but i don't i don't know what a, a intact native forest looks like because there really isn't one no, at all. Like maybe that's that's one thing I'm looking up to, and like I want to find some here in Quebec. But you need to go like deep, like days in the wood, to find like a real old growth forest. And I find some some maps on internet uh, where I could find some. And I mean this, I mean I think this is like the 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 gold, like to really f- keep these organisms and bring them back in our environment. This is like the best way to to change things because even with I mean. I'm not saying that EMOs from like maybe a 50 years old environment are not good because these, these still are more adapted than 
like inoculum you could buy on internet or anything like that like it's still it's still the best the best way to go with it that's what we have at the moment but yeah just to find old growth forests in pretty much any environment i think it's almost impossible nowadays in america yeah yeah i mean and and but that's but that's all the more reason to go to those spots to understand it to mm-hmm. go and do the IMO process of culturing it. And then like, like I said, I'm, I'm, I've been encouraging people just to renegade spray beneficial microbes. Mm-hmm. Like, like in my truck, I have a little sprayer that I have an on off switch and I can just, I, it on. just nice. And- yeah. Because it, you know, the, the state, our government, like our quote, quote unquote government, like the people, you know, with the guns that claim they're the authority, yeah, exactly. They're the ones that are are poisoning the land. I mean, not not to say that the people aren't also like like Roundups for sale at any any you know hardware store in Hilo. Yeah, exactly. So so everyone everyone's buying it and using it, but but also the people setting the trend for us, the the these officials are 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 you know they're using these these tools that are es- essentially is extinguishing our indigenous biology. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, here in in Canada, man, like last year, the the government said, okay, it's gonna we're gonna allow the use of Roundup for the next fifteen years. But we, yeah, yeah, they, they've allowed it for the next fifteen years, and the OMS said a year a year before that it was uh, uh, it was causing cancer, like Roundup. We know it's causing cancer. Like Monsanto have at least fifteen like thousands uh, case on, on on their back and Canada is just I don't know when we're gonna do it for another fifteen years gonna be good my friends just go away just go ahead I mean it's it's completely nuts man and people are not talking about this like I was I was like I was talking about this in university and even the students because a lot of students were f- like kids from farmer and they've been seeing like Roundup in the in the barn since they are like five years old so for them like roundup is just it's it's a normal thing you know it's just a product we use to make money because without roundup we cannot make money we cannot grow our corn we cannot grow our soy like they don't have any power over their land they think they need this product to grow their food it's completely well, well, it's. I mean, it's to a degree, it's true because we become so reliant on this. Like, like, like my my farm here. I've 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 only sprayed Roundup maybe two three times in my life, and before mm-hmm. I kind of realized what I was doing, and I was like, ah. But but I'll tell you what, man. Here around this farm, if I go to cut my fences with a weed whacker, it's gonna take me you know three three days or something you, you know but if I just go drive around with my truck with a sprayer of Roundup I get yep. it done in about two hours and no, so and so so I, as a, as a like it's 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 hard to beat that and I think that's why there's this even though we know it's bad and it's bad and it's terrible it's still like um it's a useful tool man I'm not I'm not saying it's not like working like Roundup is working like we could use it like an intelligent way like it's just the overusage of it like year after year after year like we could use like even the ratio we're using them well even even you know when you when you say no-till agriculture to me sometimes in america what that means is you roundup is involved yeah you drive and you round up your whole field and how is that any better than than tilling it i mean in terms in ter- like like maybe the soil structure stays intact but i mean roundup is a descaler meaning it 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 chelates all the all the nutrients and makes yeah. them water soluble and then they run away and that's how i that's i mean that's part of the reason plants die from roundup yeah that's a sad thing that no-till is like when i th- if you hear the, the word no-till you think about roundup but like there's another way to do no-till like you can do no-till under like a living cover crop because even here in Quebec or in maybe in the northern hemisphere, we have winter. So if you use an annual cover crop, actually your cover crop is gonna be like the winter is gonna is gonna kill your cover crop, you know? So it's just the, the way you do your rotation, the way like what type of cover crop you use, like you can crimp your cover crop, like there's other like it's it's a complex system. Like you need to think about this. It's not just oh I'm gonna I'm gonna put a cover crop or I'm gonna I'm gonna no till, I'm gonna just spray everything. Like it's like to do this, it's, it's, it's easy. Yeah? You don't even have to think. But I'm working here with the only agronomist in Quebec who's doing no-till on their co- living cover crop. 
and he's reduced like usage of Roundup and pesticides uh, uh, of some agriculture uh, of some farmer of like 90%. Yeah, he maybe use is gonna use like a little bit of Roundup just to slow the cover crop. So he's he's using like alfalfa for example. So he's planting like corn row directly into like uh, alfalfa. But before to just before to seed, he's gonna like slightly spray with like maybe a tenth of the like normal ratio of Roundup like a farmer would use just to burn the foliage and just to like slow the growth. Okay. Just to give time to, it gives enough time for the corn to just grow over the alfalfa. And like you have, like you have alfalfa, like it's, it's very, you don't, you have, it was the first time I was seeing this. It's really like, you're like, oh, okay. It's like a, a field of corn and a field of alfalfa and you have some very nice results. But you need to change the mindset of like a farmers. The farmers, they don't even think it's possible. Well, is is that is that operation using a seed drill? It's a it's a direct seeder. Because because so, I know I know there's some techniques where you where it's like you know you don't you 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 like roller crimp your stuff and then you'll go through with like a seed drill and it kind of puts the seeds. I, I don't know somehow you can plant with a a cover crop and. And yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a direct seeder, we call them. It's really just, it, it puts the seeds like, it's going to open like the, the cover crop and it's just going to put the seed uh, in the soil and it's just, there's a there's a little uh, wheel at the end that just tap the soil so you have a good contact between your seed and your soil. Okay. But to do this, this kind, and we can even broadcast, if you have an eye, like if you have enough organic matter in your soil, you can just do it by broadcasting. So the because you have a lot of organic matter, the contact with your seed is gonna be gonna be good. You, maybe you're gonna like put ten or twenty percent more seed just to be sure that you have enough of a good germination rate. But like there's a lot of technique, and these techniques they can make save some farmers like thousands of dollars. Yeah, to- totally. But I mean, agronomists are not teaching this, and they are not teaching this in school. Also, so. So I mean, I mean, part of the problem you're talking about is because there's like a stranglehold on this knowledge. Then people get a degree, then they think they know what they're doing, and they ultimately really don't know what they're doing because they got to like it's like they're handing out awards that say you know what you're doing for something that's not even true. Exactly. I mean, the fact is just that in tr- four years of university. We haven't met any farmer. Not a not a single farmer have come to our school to talk to us to tell like we're supposed to work for the farmers, you know, as agronomists. We're supposed to work for them, like make sure they have a good crop that they're they're doing some money. And not a single time in four years of university here in Quebec, I've heard a farmer talk to us here at school. So, so what what you're saying is you're actually studying to be a farmer advisor. Exactly. What? Yeah, 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 man. With no no farming, no farming experience. With no knowledge at all, man. I haven't been never like never been in the field. Never. For real. That's how it's worked, man. And you're supposed to tell farmers how to farm? (laughs) Yeah, bro. (laughs) It's not a joke, man. Like like we laugh about it, but man, it's it's serious. Like I have like I don't have a, a lot of not like I have a lot of knowledge because I've, I've experienced myself like for the past seven years at my house on a small scale. Like I have some knowledge about it, and I'm really humble about what I know. I have a lot to learn from farmers. I want to work with farmers, but like the way it works usually is people go out of school, they work like for a, a consulting like company, and from there on, man, they're just they're just going to. Spread lie to farmers. No, that's fucked up, man. Oh man, yeah. you know, you know, you know. It, oh man, oh man. That's how it worked, man. Wow. That's where. That's why it's all fucked up in our fields, man. And they're they're like they're like they're almost like getting professional training on how to sell chemical company things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of them are just being like they get a job for a, a huge company with Pioneer or uh, Syngenta or a huge company like that, and like. Because a lot of people, if it, if it was not because I'm self-taught and I've, I've learned a lot by myself, after these four years in agronomy, I, I would not be like, I would be like, what the fuck am I doing? I have a degree and I don't know anything. That's how people feel. I know about this because 
I, I've studied with these people. Like I didn't have any friends in my in my college years. I, not a single one because they're so disconnected. They don't know anything. And so what what is what is happening is that they finish their degree and we have an order here in Quebec. So to be a, I'm an agronomist. I have my degree, but I cannot practice. Like I cannot be an agronomist here in Quebec. I need to be part of the order. So I have an exam to pass. That's how it works. Oh, so it's kind right. of a, a little mafia, I would say. So I can be an agronomist. Like I can give co- a consultation to any farmers around the world, but here in Quebec where I've done my course. Huh. Yeah, I need huh. to pass an exam. It's going to be the next month. And from there on, I, they, they asked me some question about like, what is my specialization so i need to be specialized in a type of like i don't know a greenhouse or soil or livestock or poultry but i don't have any like i'm not specializing in anything like soil is pretty much i'd say my my specialization because i think it's the most important thing in a group like if you don't know soil you don't know anything to my to my opinion and i know that the people that are gonna give me my exam my exam they, they don't even know about soil so I mean, I mean, that's, that's almost like when you talk about it and then you say like, there's an order to it, it it reminds me of like here, here where there's like an electrical union and you got to have like a, a contractor's license and they have like this, this brotherhood that kind of keeps it safe. To me, to me, it almost, yeah, it almost sounds like maybe like it's the chemical companies that have that or, or the, the, you know, the companies that are selling that stuff. And if you're an agronomist and you're more along the lines where you're saying, well, you don't need these products. What you need is living soil. What you need to do is stop buying these things and start getting your indigenous microbes and these things that you could almost be removed from this order and not allowed to operate in Quebec. Bro, that's like, that's one scary thing. I'm like, I need, I'm going to pass my exam next month and I, I'm going to have to lie actually. Pretty much, because I'm pretty sure that if I speak with my heart about what I think about agriculture, I tried to have a job last summer as an intern in a consultation like company, and they told me it was not gonna work. They told me you cannot speak. You can for real, man. I was not able to find a job. They were saying they were telling me, man, it's not gonna work if you talk like that. I'm like, man, why? I'm trying to help farmers. I'm trying to change things. They're like, no, they don't like people who like who do things like that. Okay, understand. So I had to work for the city, man. I, I was not even, I could not work for farmers last year because nobody wanted to, like, to give me a job. That's, that's real. Huh, interesting. So, yeah, it's, I mean, what, what you're getting at is almost like, so, it's a, I mean, it's almost like a conspiracy. <laughs> it is, bro. <laughs> it's straight up is. <laughs> like, I'm a big, I, I used to be a big conspiration guy. But now I'm more like I don't want to give any like energy to conspiration. I'm more into positive and changing things. But yeah, man, it's totally a conspiration. Wow! It's not even conspiration. It's it's the truth. I mean, that's how it's work. Well, well, the thing the thing about it is, you know, you know, like I have friends that go into conservation and like these jobs where they want to like help the earth. But those conservation conversation. jobs. It's not, that, that's a job of conversation. That's oh, how I, well, I well, no, no. well, what I, what I say, what I say with that is it's, they don't, they don't have much power, right? They go and they get these jobs and then they have this thing and then they like study how many insects are dying or some shit that's like <laughs> kind of useless, but yeah. or, or not, not, not to just, 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 you know, not to say it's useless. It's, it's good, good in a small respect, but to, but to then, um, but if you're a farmer, all of a sudden now you're in charge of like hundreds of hectares, you know, where you could actually implement your same um, uh, conservation principles and actually turn your 400 you know, hectare farm into a carbon sink as a conservation agent, even though yeah. you're a farmer. Exactly, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But farmer don't, farmers don't have a voice nowadays, man. That's the, sad, that's the saddest trick. Like we don't hear farmers, they don't talk about them in the media. We don't hear even in agronomy at school. We didn't even talk about farmers, and we're supposed to do this for farmers, man. So what, like, what did you talk about then? I mean, there's no mention of farmer. Like what? How? I mean, that's, that's so weird to me. No, we're talk. We talk about uh, how to grow a crop. We talk about like all technical things, uh, fertility, uh, uh, IPM, uh, pesticides. Hey, I had a course of. 
about weeding, like all the weeds. I need to like learn all the weeds. And my final exam, I'd say like two thirds of the exam, it was just question about, do you know what product do this? Do you know what product do that? For real, man, for real. Well, that's it for our free episode. So join us at www.microbialsecret.org for the full episode and join the Microbial Secret Society. So uh, may the beneficial microbes be with you. Aloha.